Welcome to the Fantasy Faithful, the FPL podcast brought to you by thefootballfaithful.com. I'm your host, Steve McGovern, and I am joined as ever by Harry Diamond, who must be over the moon because for the first time in 2021, both the team he supports and his FPL team have actually done well. Yeah, I've been struggling, haven't I? But it's been, it's been a good week. It's been a good week. I'm, uh, I'm on an upward climb now, I think. 2021 has already been a long year for you, but uh, you're, <laughs> you're there, mate. You're getting there. It's finally good. Uh, how, how many did you get in the end? You were on 70 odd last I talked to you. 74 finished on. Most nice. blank. Definitely 74, but in a low scoring week, I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's basically like getting 200 points on a week like this because like everyone was struggling. Absolutely everybody. It just captaincies were failing left, right and centre. Just players were letting everybody down. I was pretty happy enough with my 59 points because I had Kane captained and just that failed. Um, and a couple of other players. I mean, basically my defence came through for me. That was I was happy enough with that. John Stones, even though it was against Fulham, uh, I was I was happy enough. I was like, well, at least it was John Stones who scored. And uh, yeah, th- things kind of worked out for me. A couple of benchings worked out relatively well. Um, and Salah blanking as well worked out really well. So yeah, um, in the end, can't complain too much. I've uh, actually climbed the rankings, even though this was this score was my lowest since game week 21. Uh, and yet I saw a green arrow of 50,000 up to uh, 226,000. So I'm also climb, closing the gap slightly in my mini league. So yeah, the, the goal really is to be in the top 100k before the end of the season and win that mini league. So I'm getting there. I've had about five or six green arrows in a row. So it's going well. I'm, get, I'm getting there and uh, I'm happy enough with uh, my progress. So yeah, I think uh, today we'll be looking ahead to game week 29 and the blank, <laughs> all, the, all the blanks. There's only four, t- four games being played. So there's a lot of blanks. We're going to look at the kind of best options for people to pick. I think there's a lot of people who won't have chips available, such as yourself, Harry, and then people like me who have their free hit. And uh, I already have that activated. I was kind of thinking maybe for a future game week, there's going to be a few doubles and a couple of more blanks, but I my team is not set up at all for this week. So I've hit the free hit chip. I've made a few transfers already. I'm tinkering around with it. I'll get into a bit of that. But first, we are going to look back at some of our regretsies in Captain Hindsight. Who's Captain Hindsight? Captain Hindsight, the hero of the modern age. So I have a couple of what I'd say is kind of regretskies, Harry but they're not really proper Regretskis. You know, I captain Kane and I, I feel like I captain Kane when I should captain Bruno and I captain Bruno when I should captain Kane. So it never really works out that well. But I definitely thought like Kane was, was the best option, even though they were playing Arsenal. And, it, you know, he had the ball in the back of the net. There was an offside. That last 10, 15 minutes he should have had a return. And I just think that first half injury to Son just kind of, I don't know. You, you saw even with the substitution, the fact that he brought on Lamella, who I know scored, but I think the real signal of intent would have been bringing on Deli Ali. And when he brought on Lamella, I'm like, oh, he's not really going to go for this, is he? So I knew that was the risk. Most of the other, I mean, I, I didn't have any other obvious ones apart from maybe Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but he was my vice, so can't really complain. I also had Trent Alexander-Arnold last on my bench and I, I knew he was going to return, but I was so annoyed with Trent that I was just like, no, I'm leaving last on my bench anyway. But I mean, I, I was actually going to sell him, I think, but then I missed the deadline because of these bloody Friday night fixtures. So those are kind of mini regretskis, I'd say. But overall, I'm not too disappointed. Obviously, I'd like the nine points from Trent, but uh, so be it. What about you? I mean, you you obviously with your monster week, do you have any regrets at all? 
No, I'm pretty happy with my week. Um, I missed the Friday deadline as well. Obviously, I set my team early in the week um, and then reassess it as we get towards Friday's deadline. And if I'm honest, I was I was leaning towards captaining Son over Jamie Vardy. Ooh. Forgetting it was a Friday night fixture, missed the deadline. The armband was thankfully on Jamie Vardy. And uh, yeah, the green arrows are back. So that's happy enough. That is a good miss your deadline story. Uh, so yeah, fair play, fair play. Uh, Vardy, absolutely inspired pick, three assists, one of which was uh, kind of like a, a shot that led to an own goal. But yeah, really, really good return. I mean, his numbers haven't been amazing lately, either, you know, in terms of goals or the underlying stats. So uh, really an inspired call. I think Magnus Carlsen, you know, the chess world champion, one time world number one in FPL as well. He captained Vardy as well. So uh, you're in good company right there. I suppose you, you mentioned earlier, Salah's blanking was kind of like a, a little bit of a fly in the ointment for you, but his his form is so worrying. Like he's he's had, Jesus, how many returns? He's only had like, he's only returned in, I think three matches in the last like 12 game weeks or something like that off the top of my head. Last week I was saying, I think I said it on here and in my column, he's still a hold because the fixtures in the run-in are very kind for Liverpool. But, like, he's so expensive. There was a stat that that uh, flashed up on Sky Sports. I don't know if you've seen it. It's been doing the rounds on online. From Liverpool's last 70 shots on target, they've scored two goals. That's a 3% conversion rate. So that's not just, just a Salah thing. That's Liverpool in general. Like, that's insane. Like, 3% of their shots have been con- uh, converted in the last 70 shots. So it's a bit of a worry. I think they're they're slowly now getting back to something approaching you know decent form but for you what what's what's your take on Salah because obviously you own him I ditched him when I used my wild card a few game weeks back what's uh, your what's your take what, what, what are you going to do yeah it's tough isn't it I think for so long there's always been a fear about not owning Mo Salah given what he's done over the last few seasons but I think that's that slipped away over the last few months anyway it seems strange because he's obviously still at the top of the scoring charts but yeah, his form is a massive concern. It's just, I've got him at the moment and I'm putting out fires elsewhere, but he's definitely in my sights to get rid of, I think. Who I go to, I'm not too sure. I'm not sure who he put in. But one player I think I would consider is, is Diogo Jota, who I think has made a massive difference already since he's come back in. Frontline for Liverpool looks so much more attacking, so much more energy in them. He's been playing through the middle. I know Firmino's on his way back from injury back soon. But yeah, Jota, for what has he just over half the price is is probably the player yeah. I'd be looking at, maybe. Yeah, great show. And they combined as well in the the Champions League last week. So evidently you can see the change already there. He's he's given them that's just a little bit extra. And it, it is good for Liverpool to have him back, I think. And I think that will make a difference going forward. Because he was on absolute fire before he got injured. And I think they've definitely, definitely missed him. On top of all the other injuries, obviously. Just a, some stats I saw on Twitter earlier today this first one's from fpl matt at matty h fpl he he totted up most of his points from the first 14 game weeks and from the next 14 game weeks so in the first 14 he got 118 points really good return and then in the second half of the season up to now he's only gotten 56 which is and when you think about that right say if you play every game if you finish 90 minutes of all 14 games that's already 28 points. So he's only gotten four points on average per game since then. That's madness. That is absolutely insane from Osala, who has been, he's been an absolute juggernaut. We've seen him at times where he's had poor returns over, say, five or six games, but never like this long. This is 
absolutely incredible. And I think he's probably not worth having anymore just at his price, even though like on, on Monday I was, I was absolutely bricking it because I, I didn't watch the first half at all. And then I was like, I turned it on for the second half and I was like, no, I'm going to have it on in the corner and then I'm going to watch something else. Cause I just don't want to, I just don't want to see Mo Salah score. And, and uh, you know, luckily it, it didn't happen. But another stat that I saw from all about FPL, which I, I really like. this is since, since game week 25. So this is what the last four game weeks a list of players who have more FEL points than Salah. And it's Fred, Kayate, Amarty, Lamina, Ward, Ramsdale, Ndidi, Kraft, Godfrey, and Pascal Strike, which is <laughs> incredible. All wow. players, none of whom, I mean, I love that list because all those are players that you would not have in your fantasy team at all. Like you just really wouldn't have them anywhere near. It's astounding really that the kind of form he's been on and not in a good way. But anyway, I think we've talked enough about Mo Salah. We might as well get on to Game Week 29 and all the kind of blank, blank, blank Game Week players. I just want to read out some of the players who are potentially out for this week. So you've got Patrick Bamford, who's a doubt. Youngmin Son's a doubt. Bukayo Saka's a doubt. Bobby Decordova Reed is a doubt. Dan Byrne is a doubt. Liam Cooper is a doubt. Bernard Traore is definitely out. And Eric Lamella is obviously definitely out. So these are all kind of players who may have, I mean, some of the, in the second half of that list, you probably wouldn't consider some of them, but these are all the players that are out or maybe out. And it's thrown a real spanner in the, in the works for a lot of managers. I think the Sun one is a huge headache. So many people had them. I mean, if you think about all the people who were planning ahead, they've gotten absolutely done here. You know, I've seen people who, who made these transfers and obviously Sun and Bamford were kind of players who you, you might have anyway. And a lot of people would have gotten them in just for this time. I mean, Bamford has been not great recent weeks. He's missed a lot of chances, but I think it's absolutely devastating for for certain managers out there. So my heart kind of goes out to them a little, only a little because it benefits someone like me who can who has unlimited transfers this week. But I think the big dilemma, Harry, for those without a free hit is not who necessarily to get in, but who to transfer out because you don't want to lose anyone who could be important in the coming weeks. So obviously that is a big big consideration so we might as well start with i suppose spurs versus villa i'll go with spurs because they're coming off the back of a bad result and a a pretty discouraging performance for the most part if you if you were just looking at the first 75 minutes i don't think you'd be very inspired by spurs at all but i think this is the easiest team to parse out because there's some very very obvious options here and the first of which is harry kane who over the last five game weeks has three goals he also has the most shots in the league, the most shots on target, the fifth highest expected goals, and he also has the most chances created among forwards. So I think he's a pretty obvious one to have in your team this week, uh, no matter what. And then the next one is obviously Bale, who over the same period of time, he has four goals and two assists. And his attacking numbers actually over the over those six games are quite similar to Ilkay Gundogan, like in terms of shots, shots on target, XG, all that very, very similar, which I, I find very interesting because they're not two players you would put in the same category, but their attacking numbers are quite similar. And then obviously Son, I mentioned, and he might be healthy. There's a story that apparently it's not his injury isn't as serious as originally thought, but obviously wait for confirmation uh, before buying. If you already have him, I'd say hold, just wait and see, and uh, then go from there because I think we'll have some more news closer to the weekend. Uh, so do you, do you, in terms of Spurs, do you have anything to add or disagree with? Any players that I've missed? Anything at all? No, I, I think you've put him. I think Lucas Moore has been playing well in before the Arsenal game, obviously, as a front four, and he's been playing in that central role behind Kane. But 
if you're going Spurs, you have to go Harry Kane. I think if you've not got him in your team and you've got a free hit, he's he's probably the first player that you're bringing in, isn't he? Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting shout there with Lucas Mora, but I think if you're going down the Lucas Mora route, I think I think there's players on other teams that you'd want to get in before him, before getting to him. But yeah, uh, we might as well move on to their opponents, Aston Villa, and they've been pretty uninspiring in, in recent weeks. Is there anyone really worth having? I mean, I have Ollie Watkins on my bench currently in, in the free hit. He's been a shadow of himself without Grealish. I don't know if Grealish is going to be back. I mean, the, the most recent game was too early for him, Dean Smith said. So I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll try and get him back. He's That's the one to look on. But I'm going to assume that Jack Grealish is not playing. And in which case, Aston Villa is far less attractive. What do you think of Villa? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think they're a completely different team without, without Grealish. And their performances in recent weeks just haven't been quite the same level they were early in the season when everyone was saying they, they could be surprised. European uh, qualified for Europe sorry Watkins I've got him at the moment I'm going to hold him just because I don't really have many players for the bank game week but I think there's definitely more attractive teams I think I think this bank is a really difficult game week I think most of the games are, are quite pick and games they, they could go either way which makes it less easy to to gamble on your free hits for those using the chips but Villa aren't convinced to me at all without Grealish so there's no one jumping out at me for them yeah, and even defensively over the last five game weeks, I mean, they've only conceded four goals in six games, but they've conceded 50 shots in the box, which is the sixth most most uh, over that period of time. So I don't think the defense is quite as strong. I mean, I've been saying this for a few weeks and they've still been getting clean sheets here and there, but I don't think the defense is quite as strong as it was in the first half of the season. I think Spurs will score. I don't think... It's worth really investing in the defense because I just think you know I could see Harry Kane definitely scoring. So yeah, Villa, I agree with you. I, I have Emmy Martinez in my original team, but I've actually already sold him. So I've brought in a couple of goalkeepers who I will get to in a moment. But we might as well move on to Arsenal versus West Ham, which is an intriguing game, and it's actually hard to to pick who to get in here for this match because I I think I was going to say they're even teams. I think there's one team that's definitely been better this season, but I just want to run through some of the Arsenal options because it's, I'm finding it hard to pick ones who I'm dead set on. So first one is obviously Aubameyang, who I think has been playing much better in recent weeks, but it's a question over whether he will even start because obviously he was disciplined at the weekend for being late, uh, reportedly anyway, for the Arsenal for the Arsenal Spurs match. I'm looking at Alexander Lacazette. Again, he's been decent, looked better in recent games, uh, scored a penalty against Spurs, but I just feel like he's too undependable. You know, he flamed out in the previous get blank game week in game week 18. Got Nicolas Pepe, who we kind of put forward as a, as a bit of a punt there a couple of weeks ago. And, and he hasn't started, I don't think, uh, since then, or at least he hasn't finished a game since then. So he's unreliable for starts. Bakayo Saka, as mentioned, is a doubt. I don't know if I want to invest in defense for this game. I think there's better options elsewhere. And like I said, I, I like some of West Ham's options in, in, it, in an attacking sense. So, after all that, who are we left with? It's, it's tough, isn't it? I've, I've got Saka, who I brought in um, a couple of weeks ago ahead of this blank, and he's now a doubt, isn't he? I suppose yeah. Od- Odegaard is, is maybe the, the other player you'd consider. He's starting to grow into the team, isn't he? He scored his first goal in the Europa League last week. He then scored again against Spurs. He's got a bit of that free roll behind the forward, and I think he's maybe 5.9 million. He's, he's not massively expensive. So he, he may be the one to go if, if you're looking for a punt, but 
Yeah, I feel like I've said this to all the teams, but there's no one I'm, I'm massively jumping on. Aubameyang would, would definitely worry me with what happened last weekend and the money that he costs. Yeah, 100%. I have him in my squad right now. But the thing that worries me is that like he might not start and then he comes on for just one point or something like that. That's really worrying me at the minute. So yeah, I'm I'm not convinced at all. We'll, we'll have to see with that. And they're playing on Thursday, aren't they, in the Europa League? Have I got my weeks mixed yeah. up? No, no, the Europa League uh, yeah. second legs of this week. Yeah, that's what I thought. So that's another thing to consider. Sometimes uh, you see teams playing in the Europa League, they're not quite as good then. So maybe actually when we see the, the lineup for the Europa League, it might give us more of an idea of, of who's going to be playing at the weekend. But the far more interesting team to me are West Ham. I think there's plenty of options here. It's just about who you pick. Obviously, the man we should have had all along, Jesse Lingard. Since he's joined, West Ham have a better XG and they also create more big chances per game when he's on the pitch as opposed to when he's not on the pitch. So I think Lingard's a really great show here. He's one of those, like you said, he's definitely one you would have ahead of the likes of Odegaard and Lucas Moura, etc. and so on. I think Lingard is one of the best options for this week, if I'm being honest. Arsenal's defence has been okay. Like it hasn't looked quite as shaky as it has at other points in the season but they're still conceding goals. They haven't had a clean sheet in a while. So I think I think there's definitely goals in this match for West Ham. So Lingard and then obviously Mikael Antonio, who I suppose is he's a curious one because you, you never quite know with his fitness. He has blanked in the last two game weeks, but I think Antonio is, is one of the best forward options for this week. When I look around, you've obviously got Kane, not entirely convinced by Ollie Watkins. Neil Mopay, maybe and then we'll get to uh, Fulham's Josh Madger he might be one to uh, look at as well uh, then obviously another one that we've talked about one that we talked about but never get in Aaron Cresswell is it worth having him versus Arsenal because I mean I could I could see Arsenal scoring this match so maybe you're not going to get a clean sheet I don't think that the clean sheet probability is that high but I, I mean at the same time I'd back West Ham's defense over Arsenal's and then of course, you've got the the creativity aspect to it, where you know he's he's got more assists than any other defender in the game. Yeah, I, th- I think he's worth having. I'm with you. I, I would back West Ham's defense over Arsenal if I was betting on who who's more likely to keep a clean sheet. And Cresswell taking all the set pieces. West Ham have got some brilliant targets to aim for as well at corners and free kicks. Spoken about before. They've got Suchek, Declan Rice, um, it's a Jops back in the team, Craig Dawson. So Cresswell could easily provide an assist or, or two. He's one I'd be looking at for free hit, definitely. Yeah, 100%. And I think he's got more points per game over the last five game weeks than any other West Ham player. So he's definitely a man in form. Um, as I was going to say, maybe uh, like obviously Craig Dawson, who's not only putting goals in the net, down the other end, he's also putting them in his own net, as we saw against Man United. So, But uh, I mean, he might be an interesting shout uh, just in, in terms of, like I said, that, that ability from set pieces. I think West Ham topped the league for uh, set piece goals. So definitely in terms of, of that link up, I think it was it was mostly Cresswell to Suchek earlier in the season. And now he seems to be finding Dawson with, with every cross. So yeah, definitely. Right, we've got two matches left. We'll, <laughs> I'll get Brighton-Newcastle out of the way because it's not a very enticing fixture in terms of viewability. But I think Brighton's defence and their goalkeeper offer... A lot of potential for differential. Brighton, right, are third for expected goals and first for expected goals conceded in home games this season. Newcastle, on the other hand, are last for XG conceded and 19th 
for XG in away games this season. And that was a big man McCarr's stat. So I can't steal it without giving him credit, but that was his stat. So th- this is as big a mismatch as you get in terms of underlying numbers anyway. There's definitely, definitely, definitely potential there. I think some people will sleep on it. I've seen people already getting in the likes of Dunk and stuff. Dunk, who just scored as well against uh, Southampton in their win. I think this should be a Brighton win unless they do their usual thing. I mean, this would be so typical actually of Brighton to to do their usual XG thing. Just absolutely pump them in the stats, but then lose like 1-0. It would be so typical of them to lose that way. So I think Brighton defenders, you're looking at uh, Dunk, Veltman and the goalkeeper Sanchez I have I've already tripled up on all three of them so I'm taking a bit of a punt there by going triple Seagull's defense and hoping that they come through for me because I think it has to be a, a clean sheet there surely for Brighton and that's what that's what I'm counting on in terms of Newcastle though like is there absolutely anybody that you're considering or should no. consider <laughs> no I, I don't think there is that if you're gonna the forward options of are pretty much non-existent at the moment, isn't it? I mean, with Newcastle and, and the way they set out, sometimes there is always the possibility that they'll they'll put 10 men, 11 men behind the ball and, and keep a clean sheet, even with the underlying statistics. But yeah, I'm leaning... Well, I'm not leaning. I'm, I'm jumping towards Brighton defenders over Newcastle, yeah. I think Newcastle are sliding towards the bottom three. I don't think they've got the firepower to to get out of trouble with um, without Callum Wilson and St. Maxim and Almiron. So yeah, Brighton defence triple up. I think it's a ballsy mood, but... I like it. I'm with it. I'm with it. Well, I mean, I, I did say the last time there was a blank game week. Do you remember what I was saying about Sheffield United? And I thought they would keep a clean sheet against Newcastle. I think Brighton will keep a clean sheet against Newcastle. So I'm going to put my money where my mouth is this time and just go for it. And like you said, they're missing their best options. And the players they have there are just not inspiring. Like So Brighton, for me, is going to be my biggest gamble. But I hope it pays off. Right, Fulham leads. Might as well talk about Fulham first. And I think to in, ter- in an attacking sense, there's two players that interest me. And the first one is obviously Adamola Luckman. In the last five game weeks, he has taken the second most shots for Fulham. And he's also created 14. I was surprised by this. He's created 14 chances. Now, the, the problem with that is he's had zero assists <laughs> over that time. And his expected assists is only not 0.42. That's extreme. Like, I thought that was a mistake because like that means he's creating next to nothing. Like these chances must be terrible. I don't, I don't understand how he's creating so many chances, but they're, they're coming up to such low quality shots. So that, that astounded me. So I don't know how much we can actually read into that, but he is at least racking up these numbers. I, th- I think part of it is that his decision may, his decision making could definitely be approved upon. He can do amazing things and get into great areas, but sometimes you know, you want him to to pass it to somebody in a better position than shoot and maybe shoot when, when the shot is on, like maybe a bit earlier. So I think Luckman is is definitely on my radar. He's one I'm, I think I've already got him in my team. Yeah. So I just have to make a decision on when I'm going to keep him or not. Up front, we've got Josh Madge. He has uh, those two goals against Everton from the last five game weeks. So he hasn't got, he actually should have had that goal against uh, Spurs. That was ruled out. It, absolute injustice. <laughs> for that uh, Lamina handball. So he should have three goals. He has the most shots and shots on target for Fulham. And he also has created, or sorry, created, He's he has racked up 3.36 expected goals, which is quite a bit. So he's he's getting shots in good areas for Fulham. This Leeds defence are conceding seven and a half shots in the box per 90 over the last five game weeks. So there's definitely going to be opportunities for, for Fulham, I think. The, the only thing is that like we're not a goal-heavy team. 
So investing in Fulham's attack could be could be a bit um, I don't know a bit misguided. But those those are my takes. In terms of the defense, though, I think I mean they've been pretty good up until last weekend before the Man City results. They had conceded just twice in the previous seven games. Uh, con- they've conceded five. 0.7 shots in the box on average per 90 over that time and that is the fourth fewest in the league so I think there's definitely scope there for the defence I would look at Joachim Anderson Tosin Adarabayo and possibly Alaina I think Alaina is more in doubt of or sorry in doubt of he's, he's more likely to be rotated than the other two but I think his place is pretty much cinched and sometimes he'll play further up so there's potential there, I think, for attacking returns the odd time. He's scored a couple of unbelievable goals this season and he'll get he's gotten a couple of assists, I think. So there's potential there. But yeah, what do you make of, of Fulham? Are they on your radar at all? Yeah, I do like the defensive options. Um, I think I may wait and see the news on Patrick Bamford. I'd be interested in see how Leeds cope if he, he if he is absent. Um, we've seen Tyler Roberts play up front, they've obviously got Rodrigo as well, but Bamford's the main man for them, isn't it, as a centre forward? So if Bamford is ruled out, I think that definitely adds to Fulham's appeal. And I think I'd be leaning maybe towards Anderson, the uh, the old free kick maestro, see if he can uh, get me some goal scoring points this week. Yeah, he has a surprisingly high number of shots, and seeing him take free kicks is funny. So hopefully he bangs one in against Leeds. I would absolutely love it. And speaking of the Yorkshireman, I mean, there's a couple of interesting options, but obviously without Bamford. As you mentioned, I mean, great point. They aren't as attractive without him. I think we might as well look at Rafinha first, who just just an unbelievable player this season. Over the last five game weeks, he's created more chances than any other player with 20. So that's more than Bruno Fernandes, Kevin De Bruyne, everybody else you would expect to be right up there. He's created more. So he's a great option. Stuart Dallas is another obvious one. He's down as a defender, but very often he, he's playing further up the pitch. Um there's potential, as I said, for a clean sheet because Fulham are not a goal-heavy team. We tend to only score one per game if we score at all. At a, you know, like we're not going to score more than two. And there's, like I said, there's a potential for attacking returns with Stuart Dallas there. So, yeah, is, is there is there any of them for for Leeds that you're you're thinking about? I think those are two obvious ones if Bamford is out. Yeah, I've I've got Rafinha, so he's he's staying. I'm holding him. Stuart Dallas, I'm definitely looking at. Um, we'll, we'll get onto the transfer later, but yeah, changing a defender is one of the one of the transfers I'm going to make. I've got two or three transfers, so it's just picking the best option. I'm I'm torn between maybe the attacking returns of Dallas, Brighton, probably the most likely clean sheet, or maybe even Cresswell for for his set pieces. So yeah, that's that's the one that my dilemma ahead of the deadline. Yeah, there's a lot of dilemmas here because because there's so few games. I'm kind of thinking, you know, yeah, I want Dallas, but I also fancy Fulham in this. So I think on a score and like I said, I fancy Fulham's defense, but I have Rafinha. So I feel like there's going to be a lot of players who cancel each other out this week. I, th- I think defense is king uh, this season. We've seen that the in especially in the second half of the season where the, the goals per game ratio is falling month by month. So I think uh, definitely focus on defenders, getting the, the strongest defenders in your team. And uh, yeah, just, just make sure you have, if, well, I was going to say, make sure you have a decent bench. I mean, most of the players this week are not going to have a decent bench. It's only if you have a free hit or a wild card that you're going to have, have a good defense. So, or a good uh, bench rather. In terms of transfers then, like how many hits are you willing to take for this week? Because with so few games, like the, the chance for returns is obviously relatively minimal, but at the same time, 
like you know you want to give yourself a chance of of at least getting something yeah so if I, I think i'm definitely going to take one hit which gives me three transfers my plans have gone into a bit of chaos because two of the players I brought in ahead of this game week are Son and Vakaya Saka, who are both doubts. So if those two play, I think I'll be able to scrape by with one hit. If those two are ruled out, I'm, I'm struggling. My first transfer, I think, is definitely going to be Jamie Vardy's Harry Kane. I think Kane's Kane's a player you have to have for this for this blank. And then the second one, as I said, I'm debating a defender when to take out Luca Dean. I think he's not been great in recent weeks. I know Everton have got a couple of good fixtures, but. I'm going to downgrade him to, to a defender who's playing this week and then perhaps upgrade Rian Brewster to Mikel Antonio are the options I'm considering. But yeah, I may even change double two defenders with uh, with how we've spoken tonight. Tempted yeah. to join you on the, on the Brighton gamble. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the great thing about Brighton is that I think there's going to be a blank game week in game week 33, I think. And Brighton will almost certainly be playing that week. So you'll be sorted not just for this week, you'll be sor- sorted for a future blank game week as well, even though I, d- I don't think that one's going to be as drastic as this one. But it's a bit of a weird one for me with the free hit because I actually don't think this is the best week to use it. But I don't really have much else choice. I don't want to be screwed with just like four or five players, as would be the case right now. I think I've only got five, I think, with my original squad. So I just have to. I have to to use it. I've saved it for for this exact situation. So yeah, uh, just hopefully a couple of my players bang and I'm able to, like I said, make a few gains. My team will then revert to what it is. Now, this is the great thing is that, you know, the people who have been planning ahead is that the, the people who have been planning ahead, you know, making these transfers, like you said, you get Saka gets injured, gets Sonny gets injured, Bamford, he gets injured. Uh, on top of that, people have been getting rid of players that have done well in recent weeks just to prepare for this week. I haven't had to worry about that. I've been able to just make the transfers as I go, uh, make w- the, the transfer I think is best for then and, and going forward. With this free hit in my back pocket, I have not had to worry about that at all, about getting rid of players. Uh, you know, a lot of pe- people have missed out on Chelsea, for instance, because every, you know, a lot of people knew that Chelsea were not going to be playing this week. And recognising that, they avoided getting Chelsea and as a result have missed out on an abundance of clean sheets. So that is the advantage for me with that. In terms of captaincy then, real quick before we go, I think there's just one man for it. I mean, it's Harry Kane, isn't it? He has been, you know, obviously Arsenal game aside, you know, he was very good for the last 15. I thought Spurs very good for the last 15 minutes with, with 10 men as well. But, you know, he's been very good in recent weeks. The only thing is you'd say is that he's been playing against some very weak defences in terms of like Crystal Palace and so on and Burnley and so on and so forth. I think for the reasons I mentioned earlier, I think he's a great option. There's no one else that really sticks out as, as a really great uh, captaincy option uh, maybe if you wanted to go for someone mad like Jesse Lingard. Yeah, what about you? Is, is, any differentiation there? Are you, are you looking to maybe spring a froggy captain's choice to try and make some gains? I don't think so. I, there's only four games, isn't there? I think I think the point scoring is is minimal. I think for the people doing the free hit like yourself, I think the triple up on Brighton, I think that's the way to go because there's not going to be massive amounts of points. There's, there's only four games. So yeah, I'm going to play it safe. It's going to be Harry Kane for me. Yeah. Yeah, he's the obvious option. I mean, I suppose if, if Son was fit, maybe you'd think of him as a differential. But uh, yeah, I think Harry Kane's the obvious one. So yeah, just keep it safe and uh, go with Harry. Right. I think that's uh, everything Harry speaking of. We might as well call it a day. Obviously, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, make sure to give us a review. We would kindly appreciate that. Thanks for joining me this week, Harry. Pleasure. Great having you on. And we'll all see you next week after this absolute tragic game week, I'm sure it's going to be. See you.